On today's episode, find out how one family's seemingly calm Halloween is terrorized by a late night trick or treater. Happy Halloween, carbo crime mates. Erin <laughs> is scowling just, at me right now. Uh, how does that keep making it into our episodes? It's going to make it into every episode that it's ever <laughs> And you're over there. editing, so I can't even do anything about it. No, I edit out all the bad parts except for that. Um, it is Halloween week, everyone. Saturday is Halloween. Today is the beginning of the week, so not quite Halloween, but we're hoping that you're celebrating and um it's our favorite time of the year heck yeah all the pumpkins and i just really like halloween it's just a really fun time of year yeah yeah i think we talked about pumpkins in the last three episodes but we can't stop talking about pumpkins it's fine also i finished watching the haunting of bly manor on netflix have you seen that at all um no i do not voluntarily watch anything erin is a wiener when it comes to (laughs) i'll own it when it comes to scary stuff except for when we're talking about mass murder and uh serial killers odd isn't it it's a little strange (laughs) but if you haven't watched haunting of bly manor everyone you should totally watch it because it was so good it's creepy but it was really it was a thrilling story that also was really interesting on just how they put it together it was great so just you know how netflix when you first get in there they have just these little 10 second clips that just play automatically yeah one of those for that show played and i was like well i just beat my pants so i'm gonna go it's actually not got as many jump scares as you think it would have so it's not like oh like it's just kind of got a creepy vibe the whole time but the story is really intricate and it's got an amazing backstory so also, if I'm you haven't convinced. watched The Haunting on Hill House, I watched that too first, and it was great. So, But me and Tanner have a bad habit of binging those in three days, and they're always, always like really, really late at night. And, no, um, why would you do that to yourself? I have no idea. <laughs> and then our outside our apartment is really creepy, so it doesn't make it any better. It's dark, and there's hardly any lights. It's fine. There's lots of trees. Lots yeah. and lots of trees. Speaking of our our apartment, the other day in the dumpster were two mattresses and tanner was like what who puts two mattresses in there and i was like it's a murder and he's like what (laughs) he's like he's like why does your thought process automatically go to that would go yeah because i'm thinking about all the cases where they got rid of mattresses and stuff could be it was two mattresses too in our in the dumpster but if somebody was really committing murder they probably wouldn't put them in the their own in a dumpster. dumpster you're right i'm sure the evidence is never just thrown in a dumpster ever probably not i was being sarcastic <laughs> you were being sarcastic <laughs> and i <laughs> i don't always say ever like that just <laughs> ever okay listen i'm just thinking most no i take that back i was gonna say most people who commit murder are at least smart enough to take it somewhere else they just do it like the day before trash day man and then it's like whoosh, out of there that's mm-hmm. true 
Anyways, we apparently got murders in our apartment complex, which isn't that surprising. I was going to say, not super shocking, but I had to call still the police alarming. the other day. I'm not going to give details just in case. I'll tell that story once I move. But I totally had to call the police at my apartment place, and it was not a good time. So uh, nothing was move. happening to me. I was just frightened for other people. Come so live in happened. the playroom. <laughs> Fine. Live in the player. That sounds creepy. <laughs> okay, there's like a little teepee. There's like a Chucky doll. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Um, also, next week is voting week, so make sure you all vote. Uh, my dog committed a felony. He, <laughs> his first. I'm kind of like, are you sure that this is his first time? <laughs> it is his first offense. <laughs> Your dog is we trouble. Left him out. Uh, We usually put him like in our kitchen and he can just roam around in there while we're gone. But we left him out just because we weren't sure how long it was going to be for a couple hours and came back and homeboy had taken our ballots off the counter, both mine and Tanner's, and had shredded them. Shredded. Well, I hope that nobody loses by two I have a video of that. I might put it on our social media (laughs) because it was pretty funny. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, this is awkward. So Tanner called the clerk the county clerk because that's what you have to do if something happens to it and he's like so my dog ate our ballots <laughs> it was like <laughs> awkward oh my word happened, so that was fun time anyways make sure you all vote i don't know i'm gonna figure it out but that was a good time so yeah and on that note, make sure you guys all stick around today for Carp's Corner. We're going to talk about one of my very, very favorite treats ever. So here we go. This story begins late into Halloween night of 1957. Ooh. Long, yeah, 1957. Long after all the little witches and ghosts were done going door to door for candy. Retired to bed laid Peter and Betty Fabiano. They have a really cool last name, by the way, Fabiano. I do like that. Yet something sinister lurked outside their home in Los Angeles, ready to disturb their otherwise fairly uneventful evening. The married couple was awoken by the sound of their doorbell at 11 o'clock p.m. So here's the thing. You I think it's just these something. bratty teenagers and you're ready to like haul out there and chew somebody out. I would, would you even get up? I don't even know if I would have gotten That's up. That's what I was going to say. I just don't think I would have even gone to the door yeah i feel like like a rule of thumb do not answer your door after a certain certain time i mean it was probably different back then they probably weren't scared of stuff i just feel like my love of sleep and pure laziness though is going to overrule any curiosity to see who's at my door (laughs) but also i don't trust anyone who's knocking on my door at 11 o'clock at night that's terrifying unless they're screaming for help or something i'm gonna assume that you're up to no good so i don't know And that night, Peter and Betty had just handed out candy. It was really calm. And the last trick-or-treaters that had um, come had left long before that. So Peter assumed that it had to be more kids, though. Because he's like, who else would be ringing my doorbell at 11 o'clock at night on Halloween? So Peter shuffled downstairs and grabbed the candy bowl that was still out and opened the door. And once again, I personally wouldn't have opened the door, but he went ahead and did it. So he's it's fine. He's so nice. He, he grabs is so the nice. candy and is like, Yeah, well. he's like, here, let me get you ready. And I'm like, fool, no. So Peter opens the door and sees a smaller person, but it's not a child. 
And this person, we later find out, was wearing normal street clothes with red gloves and had a substantial amount of makeup on their face. And they were also wearing a, it's called a domino mask, which is basically just like a Zorro mask. It just covers your eyes and nose. I did not know that that's what that was called. I didn't either until this. Hey, so learned something new. You're welcome, all of you crime fans. Yeah. And the person was holding a paper bag. Betty, who was still upstairs, hears Peter say to this person at the door, isn't it a little late for this sort of thing? Kind of joking around. And the response from the stranger, Betty said, sounded like the voice of a woman trying to impersonate a man. Which seems oddly specific to me that that would click in your head that fast that it sounds like a woman impersonating a man. But that's what she reported it as. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've got... I mean, granted, maybe it's different the other direction, but I've got one brother who every time I call my sister-in-law, he'll be like, hello. And it's very clearly <laughs> So you like, can tell that it's not. Okay, so maybe. And granted, this is like opposite gender roles. However, I just feel I like. I feel like I can do a good move. Um, no, I can't. No. It's, <laughs> it's all good. Prime example, though, of exactly what she was talking about. That's so exactly well what done. she was talking about. So apparently. I was wrong, and it was, it's not that strange that that was her uh, conclusion. So after hearing their voices, she heard a loud popping sound, which carried up the stairs and then an echoing thud. Betty raced downstairs to an incredibly gory scene. Peter was lying in a pool of his own blood, which was coming from a gunshot wound to his chest. Well, that escalated quickly. Their neighbor, who was a cop, also received a late night knock on the door, but from Peter and Betty's daughter, Judy. She had run over to his house and informed him of their emergency, and he immediately called the police station for help because 911 at the time wasn't established yet. 911 wasn't a thing until 1968. Oh my gosh, can I just say, let's just end this episode i feel like i have already learned so much domino masks 911 being established there's so much i didn't know yes and which it wasn't a huge deal because you didn't have 911 you would just call your closest police station or you would call zero to an operator and then they would connect you But Judy didn't want to waste any time with that so she just ran over to the neighbor's house so he would take care of it after that Once um, the ambulance showed up, an unconscious Peter was driven to Sun Valley Hospital, and on the way there, he took his last breath. Doctors, upon evaluation, found a 38 caliber bullet wedged under Peter's heart, which was determined to be the official cause of death. Which, to me, that person had to have a pretty good shot. I feel sad. It is sad. He was just sleeping at night, woke up to hand out candy. Nope. I don't know, though, because think about it. When trick-or-treaters come up and you're, like, reaching over to put stuff in their bags, think of how close you are to that person. You're I mean, way proximity, close. if they had a gun, you're, like, leaning into them, essentially. Exactly. That's- and at the door, I'm not sure if he leaned into her or what happened, how that exchange exactly went, but... I am basically going to hand out candy this year with one of those old people grabbers, the grabby sticks. I'm going to be like, you here's go. your Twix. Notice if trick-or-treaters even come, I don't know. <laughs> Here's your Twix, Here's your social Twix. distancing, and making sure I'm out of line of a handgun, and go. And go. Really, though, it's those things that you think about, but you don't really ever think you're going to happen. I know. Because in theory, having a bunch of random strangers come up to your door to get candy, it's a little freaky. 
because really anything could happen you know okay, what I mean? we it's should like s- stop talking about it because i want to hand out candy i really do and the longer this story goes the more i'm like do i though <laughs> you do if they're small people i don't know but at the same time halloween's just a great night for sketchy people to run amok <laughs> thanks for that anyways terrifying. it's all good well it's not all good for peter but yeah she had to have a pretty straight shot because she got him right under the heart um wow. in one shot because he's only shot one time so at the scene of the crime, there were no bullet cartridges found, so I don't know where that went, but which you think you'd be able to find that if they just shot it, unless the person grabbed it when they were leaving, but so they couldn't find any uh, evidence that way, and Betty and Judy, the daughter, hadn't seen anything because they were upstairs, so police started talking to neighbors just on the off chance that someone may have seen something that night outside, and that's when they found a 15-year-old boy who said that he had just gotten home at basically the same exact time the murder would have happened, and he saw an old sedan leaving the neighborhood really, really quickly. The murder to the police sounded somewhat like a gang hit, like basically thinking maybe Peter had been involved in something weird, and this is basically somebody coming to get revenge or something, because that's the only logical thing they could think of. So they decided to look into Peter's past to see if they could find anything that would warrant such an attack. But the only thing on his record was from 1948, when Peter had been convicted for being a bookie at the age of 25. That was it. He spent 180 days in county jail for that, And then he never had any other run-ins with the law. And so that trail didn't take them anywhere valuable. So the next place that police looked was into Peter and Betty's marriage. Peter himself was born in Lansing, Michigan in 1922. He had served in the Pacific during World War II. So he was a Marine during World War II. So good guy. And after his time there he had actually worked as a bartender, which is where he and Betty met, which is kind of cool. I don't know. It's like something out of a 50s movie. I thought that's pretty. <laughs> she walked through the doors <laughs> and thing. he just knew. <laughs> he just knew. Betty, on the other hand, was born in Chicago in 1918, which made her four years Peter's senior which didn't face her in the slightest. Betty was divorced with two kids when she met met Peter, which being divorced in the 1950s was much more taboo than it is now. So, uh, you know, she's already kind of a kind of a BA like who doesn't care Heck about yeah. what other people think. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't I can I think any- good on both of them for just feeling like they wanted to like attempt a relationship because it's like you said people thought very different things back in those days oh yeah for sure so the fact that she was okay with getting divorced was kind of a big deal plus she was a hairstylist who owned her own very successful salon so betty was like one of the og strong independent women she didn't need a man but that didn't mean she didn't want one so i'm gonna show you a picture of them really fast because they look like classic 50s really chic people so here's their picture in black and white but they it looks like they came straight out of a movie or something oh my gosh yeah she's wearing the dress that comes down like right past you know the off the shoulder type dress cocktail dress and then a very nice necklace and her hair has that her hair's all done up little wave 
And he looks pretty. He's wearing a classy suit. I love men's hairstyles from that age. I know. He's got thick hair, too. So they're a good-looking couple. Okay. So obviously, they're both super attractive people. And so when she sat down at the bar, they immediately took notice of each other. And on the night that they met, she had convinced Peter to go to school to become a hairstylist himself. And he actually took her advice. Oh, wow. And became successful in his own right while working at Betty's Salon. And customers loved him. And it was probably because he was this attractive straight guy. And back then, all the women would go to the salons all the time. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That was like their outing. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, but back then, like, you went once a week. You got your hair, like, pinned up and done, like, once a week. Oh, did you? Yeah. You don't. Typically, they didn't wash it out. You would go. You would have it washed and set. And then that's why they slept with, like, the things around it because they would try to keep it intact for a week. So it was, like, a big deal when you got to have your trip to the salon again. I would love to get my hair done once a week. Oh, uh, I do shampoo. Too yeah. Mm-mm-mm. That feels the best. It's but true. So all these ladies were going in to see Peter. <laughs> so Peter and Betty eventually opened up a second salon together as business partners. And then not only that, but they fell in love. So they got married in 1954, which back to the murder it was only 1957, so they had only been married. The newspaper, it was a newspaper from L.A. back in that time, and it said they had been married, the The detective had said they'd only been married for about two and a half years at that point, so not very long at all. And after the murder, Betty had actually been sedated due to her extreme shock and anxiety, because apparently... I it think was that was a lot more. It her. was too much for her, and I think it was a little more common to do that back then. It's like, oh, this lady's freaking out. She's Let's emotional. Let's sedate just sedate her. her. Pretty I much. Would be sedated like once a week. I feel like <laughs> when I. Aaron's I mean, out you know all the time. Me. Oh, it's again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Which, makes me sad. But for I can her, understand though. that after mm-hmm. I did. I mean, like my dad just passed away. I, it's hard. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, well, especially like to see such a gruesome scene and to be there as it was happening. And she, you know, she couldn't do anything. No, she didn't do anything at all. And there were no answers and yeah. it was just so random. So she was sedated for quite a while. And it wasn't until a few weeks after that, she was able to finally talk to the police and what she told them changed everything. Come to find out, there had been a few bumps in Betty and Peter's marriage in the two and a half years, and all of those bumps went by the name of Joan Rabble, one of Betty's closest friends. The newspaper described this woman as tall and raw-boned, which raw-boned, I'm assuming just Okay, this is awkward. What does that mean? (laughs) I think it just assumed she had like really strong features and was really like no muscle skinny. what oh yeah, okay she was, she was fairly skinny she was Yzma only pretty y- yeah <laughs> you're like Yzma you. can't be pretty <laughs> I'm gonna show you her picture right now like her jawline's very structured whoa yeah she has really even her like cheekbones I mean not I don't mean this in a harsh way at all, but almost Michael Jackson-esque. Mm-hmm. She has very sharp lines to her face. And her eyes are a little sunken. Yeah, sunken. just very sharp features. That's interesting. So Joan was a 40-something-year-old from Lithuania. She had attended college at the University of Honolulu and then ended up in California working as a freelancing photographer. Joan was divorced as well and had worked 
at one of their salons, Peter had hired her, where she and Betty became fast and incredibly close friends. But Peter hated Joan so much so. Yeah, hated her, loathed her, just absolutely didn't want anything to do with her. So much so that during a fight in the salon, he made her leave and told her to never return. And after that, he told Betty that she was not to see Joan ever again either. So the husband's basically forbidding his wife from seeing her best friend anymore. And uh, Betty was not about that. (laughs) She was, as you remember, a strong independent female. And so she was not going to accept her husband's insistence on the matter. And she was so angry, in fact, that she left him and went exactly where he had told her not to go to live with Joan, where she stayed for about a month. I just don't have words. This feels like it like kind if of exploded Tanner, into a bigger situation than it needed oh, 100%. to be. And also, I just feel like there was there would maybe be a little more compromise than just that. But okay. <laughs> if Tanner told me I could never see you again, I would also leave him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> better. I'm worth it, right? Tanner, wow. I'm not leaving you ever. You're good. <laughs> uh, that just feels like the whole feels thing feels weird, excessive. Though. It feels excessive for him to demand that she not see her. It feels excessive that she just like ups and moves out. The whole thing just feels... Wow. You're right in feeling that way because there was a little more to the story. It wasn't explicitly stated anywhere exactly why he had such a deep hatred for this woman, There, w- but there was definitely speculation. Do you have any guesses? Okay, well, somebody's sleeping with someone, so... You would be correct in that speculation. The news coverage of the story... Uh, both then and now, suggest that Joan and Betty were more than just good friends. Everyone was fairly certain that Joan and Betty had become secret lovers, which explains why... Uh, okay. I mean, I explains guess... Explains why Peter would freak out so much because... Yeah, she like, would, he you was, can't... It's essentially like, okay, well, you can't go see this mistress anymore. Pretty much. Which I guess... I guess I feel a little less upset about that. Like, okay, that's a little more understandable. Yeah, and it was never confirmed for several reasons. I mean, they weren't just gonna go about telling everybody that right. And his I wife imagine had, had an affair with a woman was probably well, they were all weird about it. And yeah. that's because it was actually illegal to be gay in the fifties still. So everybody kind of knew but didn't want to say it because they all had weird feelings about that still at that time. Mm-hmm. So. Eventually, though, despite all of this, Betty and Peter made amends and she went home. But there was a catch. Peter couldn't stand to have Betty talking to Joan ever again. And that was his one caveat. She couldn't she can't have anything to do with Joan after this if she moved back in. So basically, it was either cut Joan out or we're getting divorced. I mean, I can't 100% blame him because it's like if you are going to try to reconcile and save your marriage, you wouldn't want to... F- feel like you're constantly oh of course the point is that she was having an affair mm-hmm. possibly allegedly yeah and he's just it's saying, not confirmed like, I but I if don't, that's the case yeah. i would have i would totally be the same way like yeah <laughs> so she agreed to it though and she moved back in to try and reconcile and, and go on with their marriage and give it another shot and after telling police this story betty was adamant however that joan wouldn't have gone as far as to kill peter but police clearly thought that 
a potential angry ex quote unquote friend (laughs) would be exactly the kind of person, in fact, the only person at this point due to the lack of other leads that would kill Peter in cold blood. I'm sorry. Can I interject though? Did we not say she was tall and raw boned? Like this was some like child sized human. So you were listening. Good job. We'll get to that. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And that's exactly Joan's point when the police go to visit her. Because the person that they had... um, Okay, not to throw off your groove. You address that in the order you want to address it. I will. We'll address it. But you caught on to a good point. So, police go to pay a visit to Joan, who conveniently says that she had been home all alone on the night of Halloween. And in fact, Joan told police that her car had been in the driveway all night, so she couldn't possibly be the person they were looking for because she hadn't gone anywhere And still suspicious, officers spoke with neighbors and acquaintances of Joan's. One of them told police that Joan had actually borrowed her car that evening. And this person had gone so far. I don't know if it was just because of the time. I've never done this. But she had checked the odometer before Joan had left and then after she had gotten back. I don't know if people were just really careful on making sure they're miles weren't weird i don't know but this this girl had noticed that joan had gone around 30 i think the estimate was 37 miles that night so she had facts to prove that she had gone decently far 37 miles nothing to scoff at and at this point joan had already lied to police saying she hadn't even gone anywhere she had just been home so police go back to joan and they're like, yo, <laughs> you obviously took your friend's car. What's going on? Just like, oh yeah, of course. I I did take their I did take her car, but I just went to get groceries and then I drove around for a little bit and came back. Where was that grocery store? Cause that seems a bit far. That's exactly what police said. And then they arrested her. So <laughs> because they had enough reason to believe that she had something to do with it. However, unfortunately, they didn't have any solid evidence besides that against Joan. And so they were forced to let her go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But after a month or so of digging with no success, police received an anonymous tip that cracked open the case. The tipper told investigators that they would find the gun used to kill Peter stored in a department store locker. So basically at stores that used to just have lockers you could rent out, kind of like a lockbox essentially. So sure enough, police go there and they found a 38 caliber pistol. I would just like to say here though, rule number one when you're killing someone, please don't tell anyone where the freaking weapon is hidden. I mean, why would you do that? Because chances of them feeling guilty enough to go to the cops are probably pretty high unless they were a part of it. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm sorry, but this coming from somebody who literally as soon as that Amazon package arrives, I'm like, Justin, guess what I got you for Christmas? Like, I don't know if I could keep that in. I would have to tell someone, and if I had to tell someone, it'd probably be you. So prepare for a random phone call one day. I can be your person. Just saying, the gun is in the locker, and then I'll just hang up. Because I just need, I need that off my chest. I need it out in the universe, and then I can move on. Okay, that's understandable, but... You will not be my person for that exact reason. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, Aaron can't keep secrets. It's fine. So this person told the cops, back to the story, where this gun was. Police found it. And sure enough, it was a thirty-eight caliber pistol that matched the bullet found in Peter's chest. 
After tracking down the sales record of the gun, police found the store where it had been purchased and then the name of the owner of the gun who had purchased it, which happened to be, get ready for it, a very small <gasps> 40-year-old woman named Goldine Pizer. The tiny woman! The tiny woman. Goldine named- Pizer! <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I just felt like I should follow up with her name. That was, <laughs> it was, good, kind of that a, was a good rally name, announcing you know? voice right there. Goldine Pizer. If the podcasting doesn't work out for us, we can go work yes, at I an MMA fighting ring. announce fight. sports that I know nothing about. You do I'll know be nothing. like, Aaron they knows- just moved the target on the football. football. So I can't, even, Who's say, I can't even say football. Erin knows nothing about sports. <laughs> it's okay. I've forgiven her for it. Kind of. Also, we just heard a cricket crick in the house and we're freaking out a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> so when Goldine was approached by law enforcement... She immediately got emotional and confessed to pulling the trigger. Wait, what? Yeah, it didn't take hardly Who anything. Who is this lady? I don't know, but she obviously felt really bad and she was intimidated very easily because she just fessed up pretty quickly. The that police would didn't all, have to do That would much. also be me, probably. Like, I'm good I'm to, so to, like, go yeah. under wraps, but the second I get in an interrogation room and they're, like, keeping me from having food, forget it. Like, all cards are on the table. Yeah, you get hangry really easily. Yeah. <laughs> and I get whatever, the, be whatever the hungry, sad version is, I get that too. Sagri. Sagri. Sad. Sadri. <laughs> sad without food. I don't know. Uh, she, she, though, I just... I just want to shake her the, like, who are you working for? Like, who... Ugh. This was not just a random thing. No, it wasn't. You have good instincts. However, the fact that she fessed up so easily makes me wonder if she was her own anonymous tipper to the gun. That's never proven throughout any of the case facts, but I have to wonder. Or maybe she was just hungry. Maybe she was hungry (laughs) and she was just sad and gave it all up, but eventually she does tell. Yeah, because who else? I mean, so she never... She does eventually tell people, though, that like the police and everybody, she felt relieved that it was... Like, and she never gave, chest. like, an alternate person that may have known about the gun. Just be patient, my dear. Oh, dang it. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Literally my next sentence. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> Goldine didn't confess without throwing the mastermind under the bus. She told officers that she had basically been forced into killing Peter by another person and that she really didn't have a choice in the matter. Any guesses as to who that person might be? Yeah, our tall pretty version of Yzma whatever raw boned lady good old Joan Rabble yes I forgot her name that's where the long description (laughs) came from The accomplices had actually known one another for several years prior to the murder but Joan hadn't often reached out to Goldine until after she had her falling out with Betty so it was like... Just like a rebound friend? A rebound user, basically. Ah. Uh, Once again, though, speculation suggested that it was more than a friendship. Um, they believed that Joan had struck up a romantic relationship with Goldine. And in this new relationship, you generally... I mean, okay. Well, in a new relationship at all, you generally are most interested in learning about the other person, right? Like you're on a first date, you're like asking questions about them. Exactly, but that wasn't the case with Joan. One of the first things that Goldine told them was that the most 
common topic of conversation for them was none other than Peter Fabiano. Joan detested Peter. And so that's all they talked about she all the time. Which I'm like... Focused on that and solely cool. that. Cool. I'm this lady's rebound chick. And now she just wants to talk about her ex-lover's Ex-lose. husband. Yeah. Husband? Husband. <laughs> no lie. I that's thought kind that of was a turn your nickname for husband. Husband. Hello, husband. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. I would be a I little mean, bitter. But here's the thing. I'd be like, okay, so clearly she's still hung up on this other lady. Yeah. And not, not to say she sounds desperate, but she was obviously so just excited for any attention. She went along with it. Yeah, and that's exactly kind of the type of personality she had, which they find out more about later. And so Joan would go on and on about how Peter had mistreated his employees as well as Betty and her children. She even went on so far to suggest that Peter was dealing drugs, even though there's nothing to suggest that any of those allegations are either true or false. I mean, to be honest, you never know with that kind of stuff. I mean, she was basically saying that Peter was kind of abusive and treated the whole family really poorly. But Betty never said anything that led police to believe that was true. But once again, you never know. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens behind closed doors. So even if it was true or not, the point is... Joan basically was trying to convince Goldine that this man was just the worst possible guy and that he was evil. And so after long enough, she fell for it. And she also found herself hating Peter to the point that murdering him was brought up. But she's never even met this guy. She hasn't. She's just heard what Joan has said. But Joan has talked about this guy enough that she also hates him, which makes sense. If somebody's just talking to you constantly about how bad this person is, and if you're already enticed by the person telling you the story, you're kind of sucked into yeah, it, regardless of that. what's true or not. And so when murder was brought up, Goldine was fully engaged, and they had discussed Peter's murder on many occasions and had tried to decide what the best method would be and when the best time would be to do it. So eventually, Joan gave... Goldine money and instructed her to go and buy a gun, which of course we know that she did, along with only two bullets. Which is okay. <laughs> she is really banking on being accurate. I, I mean, know what she or was. what if you drop one? I mean, I'm kind of a klutz, and I'd be like, "Oh, dang! There's a hole in my pocket. I didn't even know." Also, though, if somebody came into my gun shop and only bought two bullets, I'd be like, "Very good point." Is as well. it for you? and the other person you're killing yeah. like that's what my thought would be They're like we've got a sale a box for 12.99 no no i only need two yeah it's a little that's weird. awkward and apparently the gun store owner or whoever she had bought it the clerk whatever had said that goldine when she bought the gun had told him that it was for self protection for home protection or whatever which apparently in the area that she had driven to to buy it wasn't such a far out idea he was like oh this lady's She's small. Not. She's small. She's living in kind of a sketchy area, so she needs a gun. Your face. You just good? the whole two bullet thing, though. I just am like, man. And well, and if you're not somebody that's shot a gun often, okay. Yeah, how you know she was going to miss? I don't know. Especially if you're that nervous, which I'll yeah. get to. I'm really surprised that she had such a clean shot at all. 
So along with that, Halloween was approaching and the two women decided that it would be the perfect opportunity to get away with a crime because, you know, people are wearing masks and running around and it wouldn't be abnormal to see somebody walking up to a house in kind of a costume. Uh, I mean, apparently, even if it was at 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> I feel like if I saw Gosh. a random lone creeper walking yeah. up to someone's house in that, I would probably be concerned. So I don't think their reasoning and logic behind that was solid, but that's what they went with. On the night of the murder, Joan picked up Goldine in the borrowed car from her friend and provided her with the mask, the dark face paint, along with the red gloves and a paper bag which they put the gun in. So I don't know if she was trying to like make it look like she was trick-or-treating. <laughs> I don't know. This whole thing is just creepy, creepy, creepy. Yeah, it was really well planned out, I guess, but kind of not at the same time. They actually staked out the house for over two hours, um, waiting and watching in the dark for the Fabiano's home lights to turn off. So they got there at like nine and just sat out in the car watching the house. For and two nobody hours. chickened out in that time. That no. would be me. I mean, if I had to sit there for that long to wait to go do it, I would totally lose my nerve. Oh, so would I. There's no way. So after the two hours, they finally saw the lights go out in the house and Goldine got the go ahead from Joan to move forward with their plan. Goldine approached the house and rang the doorbell. And at first, nobody answered. So she rang it a second time. As she heard footsteps approaching the door, Goldine became increasingly nervous to the point of uncontrollable shaking and trembling, which I do not blame her. Yeah, totally. But regardless of that, she stayed put and she had her hand inside the brown paper bag holding the gun. And when Peter opened the door, he asked her the question that I had mentioned before. Isn't it a little late for this sort of thing? To which Goldine replied, with a simple no, she then lifted the bag with the gun in it and pulled the trigger. With one bullet to the chest, Peter dropped to the floor. And Goldine actually said that her first instinct was to help him. But oh. she quickly realized that she needed to leave and fast. So she ran back to the car. And I just felt She seems like, a, yeah, a good person that was just caught up in a bad situation with a really... Bad Twisted lady. lady. Yep. When she got back to the car, Joan kissed her and thanked her. Be like, thank you for killing this evil man, basically. Oh, so sad. And after they dropped off the car. Also, if you're going to dress up in a costume, she could have done it herself. What a moron. Like, I know. I mean. But her thought process was kind of genius because she was really tall. So if anybody saw the short little lady, they weren't going to think it was her. There was no way because they didn't match up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that was my first thought. Like, <laughs> she's little. So she was trying to be <sighs> a thinker, but it obviously backfired because she picked the most, like, <laughs> I mean, I get that. Like, as a tall person. Nervously, nervous little lady. So it just gets worse after that, though, because once they drop off the car to her friend, Joan told Goldine, quote, to forget that she ever had known her. Oh, my god! And then they so walked she away. she for her, and then she's like, bye. She essentially proved that her feelings for her were nothing more than a means to an end. She had totally just used this lady. <laughs> it's like, okay, bye. I'm never going to see you again. Poor Goldine. Which is probably not the kind of like payment this, she was expecting. You know one of those little dogs that's like low to the ground with sad eyes and like 
even if you tell that dog they're not the cutest dog they're still like mister that's goldie exactly what goldie is she makes me so sad and plus she just killed a guy and the person that made her do it is now just ditching her so i can't imagine how terrified she probably was after that just constantly looking over her off at the shelter and she just still loves them yeah so Goldine had told police all of this, but both women were charged with second degree murder, only second degree murder, which seems weird How? because it was premeditated. Yeah. So I don't know. And at first they pleaded not guilty. However, Goldine eventually changed her plea to insanity. Before trial, the court had ordered for them to complete extensive psychiatric evaluations based on the fact that they are homosexual because apparently according to the court they thought that it might make the pair unfit for trial which is oh gosh ridiculous also can you imagine what a psychological exam back in the 50s was like i I don't even want to know so these poor women I, i mean I don't feel bad for Joan, but I do feel bad for Goldine because obviously she was already emotionally unstable and now it's like, let's put her through this because she's gay. So that was not great for her. But in those evaluations, (laughs) in those evaluations, psychiatrists wrote about Goldine that, quote, the only thought she had was that she had saved her friend Joan Rabble from an evil person, close quote. So she herself had actually mentioned like I said before, that she had felt relieved that it was all over and that she had only been a part of it to please Joan. So at least the psychiatric evaluation was that it wasn't like she was doing it out of malice. Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't really prove that she was insane or anything. They couldn't prove that, but they did say that she had only done it because she was just entranced by this kind of dominating woman. So Joan, however, (laughs) her evaluation went a little differently. Psychiatrists labeled her as a schizoid, which is not to be confused with a schizophrenic. So I'm not going to lie. I don't know the difference. Help me. I didn't either. So I got you covered because I was like, I don't know what that is. So a schizoid, according to the Mayo Clinic, is defined as a personality disorder in which people avoid social activities and consistently shy away from interaction with others. They also have a limited range of emotional expression. People with pizza, (laughs) people with this condition do not generally enjoy or seek out close relationships. So that's a schizoid. What? It's kind of just somebody who's extremely antisocial and cold and doesn't like being around people or creating relationships so to me this explains how she was able to use goldine in the way that she did just like turn off the the emotional connection and she was able to just use her and it also may speak to why she was so angry with peter because she had finally created this relationship with someone aka betty that she had never had with anyone else before and it was so uncommon for her that when Peter had gotten in the way of that. She was kind of scared of losing it, huh? She was scared of losing it to extreme lengths. So she went to extreme lengths to get rid of him so that that relationship could move forward. So I guess, I mean, it makes sense, but Hmm. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. But it also just makes me wonder how she could reason with herself about that because it's like, what did she expect Peter to do? I mean, they were having an affair. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you can get mad at the spouse for... I don't know. It sounds like even 
being in the state of mind that she was, though, it seems like you kind of become oblivious. Just my interpretation of your description seems like you do, in a sense, become oblivious to any feelings outside your own. You know, you just you get this alternate reality of the way you want things to go and how it needs to be. and, And you'll do anything to get things in line with that. I agree with you. So at that point, it was Peter that was in her way. And it was like, bye, even if you're married to her, which is really sad because <laughs> mm. Peter didn't. I just I mean, I know that she had claimed he was abusive and stuff. But I mean, as far as I can tell, he wasn't. And so he just really got the short end of the stick. Yeah. In the end, Joan and Goldine both accepted a plea deal and they were sentenced to five years to life in prison. And... They neither of them served the life sentence. They were both released. I couldn't find anywhere uh, that stated when they got out of jail, but they both eventually got out of jail. So, Does that not seem like a huge span, though? I feel like generally you hear like yeah. forty years to life, five years to life. Um, That's a big I would difference. if that was my sentence, I'd be like, can you just let me know? Like, yeah, you the know, possibility of it being five years is a little crazy to me. Yeah, <laughs> you just. But it was more than five years. Blood. It sounds like it was a little weird. But I do have to say, I. I have mixed feelings because Goldine clearly didn't necessarily want to do it, but she did it anyways, or at least she was tricked into thinking that this guy deserved to die, which I mean, she's not innocent by any means, but it just kind of goes to show how toxic relationships can really make people do insane things. Yeah, absolutely. As for Betty, she never got remarried and it didn't go according. I don't know if Joan was thinking that once Peter was dead, that Betty would just like run back into her arms. But in an interview with Valley Times newspaper, Betty said, quote, Pete was the only one who had Joan figured out for what she was cold, cruel, inhumane, and with no heart. Close quote. Pretty strong mm, words for good yeah. reason. Cause she really wanted to make her marriage work. And Joan ruined that so really Joan didn't get anything out of this whole plan which she was a little delusional for thinking that she would yeah so some people speculated however that Betty knew what was going on and knew about the murder and that Betty was just faking all of it so I don't know if I I agree with that that I don't I can see where people get off that some people think maybe there was like kind of a twisted love triangle I don't think she would have had her kids home I don't think so either that's a very good point I agree here's the other thing she was divorced once I don't think she would have been afraid to get divorced again that's true too and she clearly had left him before so she wasn't a good point she wasn't once again necessarily afraid of leaving him so she clearly loved him and wanted to make it work uh I mean I could see the speculation of being like okay did she really cut all ties with joan though yeah because i feel like if you're having that deep of a relationship and, with somebody and then just mm-hmm. cut it off I don't and know maybe joan just... thought that there was a chance because there was still some continued connection there yeah i mean i definitely think there's a chance of that but to me it doesn't seem like she was involved yeah i definitely don't think she was and for as hard as it hit her i don't get that vibe if she had been kind of indifferent about it when he died it might have been a different story but she was clearly pretty worked up and sad about it so long story short 
the moral of this story is that you probably shouldn't answer your door at 11 o'clock at night and to be wary of trick-or-treaters because you might just get tricked even if you give out treats we should have done this after halloween <laughs> listen this is a good year to tell a story though because i don't think that many trick-or-treaters are going to be out this year it's true you know it's true because of the rona so that's our story for today ladies and gentlemen be wary on halloween night because you never know who's coming to your door that was a good one kept me guessing uh make sure you stick around for carbs corner to hear about once again one of my all-time favorite treats and if you haven't yet please give us a follow on instagram and facebook to get updates on new cases upcoming carby confections and just because we're trying to be fun so you can also submit a case request on our website at crimeandcarbs.com or you can just email us at crimeandcarbs at gmail.com and this might sound really beggy but if you also wouldn't mind leaving us a, re- a review, we would greatly appreciate it. We need. <laughs> we need them, yes. And if you've listened so far, we really appreciate you just even listening. Yeah. So we're bless yourself. We're going to get better. Side note. It's, Side note. It's we gonna, are. We're working we're on like, it. We're like, okay, cheese gets stinky. I don't know why people say it gets better, but what's something that gets better? Over time, wine. I have no idea about that, but I've heard <laughs> I've heard wine tastes I good mean, when it's aged. I mean, babies, at some point, they become like 20-year-olds and they move out on their own. So not saying that it's going to take us 20 years This podcast is going to be bomb. <laughs> Please keep listening to us. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, have a safe and spooky Halloween, everyone. And remember to fight crime. And eat carbs. It's Carbs Corner. Hi, everyone. Again, glad you're staying on the episode to listen to (laughs) Carbs Corner, which is low-key our favorite part. So much delicious. It's just a reason. This podcast is basically just a reason for us to get together and talk about true crime while we eat a lot of delicious food. And drink caffeine. (laughs) Which, yeah, pretty much. And I hope that you guys get a chance to try some of these because they're amazing or try recipes that we're going to put out because we would not give you anything that's not delicious. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And we want you to discover some of these cool little local places. And we hope that, you know, you'll help us discover some places as well. Yeah. And if you don't live in Utah, no worries. Because we also, you know, are covering, trying to cover restaurants and places that are national. As in, they're in multiple states. So, it just is going to be on that rotation. So if you don't live in Utah, stick with us. We just also want to do our local businesses a solid and talk about them too. So today is one of those local businesses and it is called Twisted Sugar, which is a little soda shop and they also have delicious cookies. Which And they are popping up all over the place. This place is booming right now. I know. Maybe we should have opened up a Twisted Sugar instead of doing a podcast. <laughs> we'd go bankrupt because we'd eat and drink everything, and then customers would come in, and we'd be like, yeah, we're sold out of that. Maybe you're rolling <laughs> us out of there. It's fine. So also, if you don't live in Utah and you're listening to this and you don't know, soda shops are kind of like a culture now. It's a little weird. Why are you laughing so hard? Because I'm just, I have cartoon print. It's like, Lucy, you're a bluebody, and we're like rolling you out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh when we are eating too much cookies yeah. and drinking and soda i'll yeah. dress up like an oompa loompa and we'll just like sing the song somebody's gonna sing it while they roll us out that's fine <laughs> we're gonna be that for halloween one year 
<laughs> uh, I can only aspire for that costume. By the way, side note, I don't think I ever mentioned this, but Aaron makes bomb Halloween costumes. Also, I feel like I can tangent more on Carbs Corner so everyone can deal with it. Uh, but Aaron, last year... What was I last You guys year? were up. Oh, yeah. Erin was, was Kevin. Kevin, and her costume was <laughs> bomb. It was, she had a million feathers all over, and it was beautiful. Yeah. And then, and my little toddler <laughs> that was like one, he was Carl. So he was a little grumpy so old man with, with a little, little walker. Yeah, with his little like cane thing. It was cute. What was yeah. Justin? Oh, he was... He was uh, Russell because he he's kind of a chunky little boy scout. Yeah, it was adorable. Erin <laughs> goes all out for Halloween costumes because she's just amazing and crafty. I really like Halloween. That's not a lie. I love Halloween too, but I suck at sewing and all things oh, domestic. Yeah, girl, <laughs> so. I can just work a glue gun. I can't sew at all. Oh, you can do lots That's of... Where it's I'll at. just have you make my costumes next year. Anyways, we're going to be in Palumpas at one point. Back to the fact that Utah has a culture of soda. So... This probably started, I want to say it was probably like 10 years ago. There was maybe, no, nah, yeah. There was one that popped up in St. George that was super popular, um, a soda shop. And it's basically like a bar version of soda. So they mix a whole bunch of things together and make really delicious sugary drinks. Yeah. So they call them dirty soda shops. And I here's the, my one thing about it. I definitely have my favorite soda shops. To be honest, Twisted Sugar is one of them. But I just wish that they would all like universally have set names because it is so hard for me when I go somewhere else and I'm like, can I get the this title, this title, this title? And then they're like, oh, that's somewhere else. I hate trying to remember what the same soda is called at 10 different places. I hate it too because I'll go to one place to get Erin this one drink and then I'll go to the other place and she'll get mixed yeah. up and then I'll tell that place the other name <laughs> and they're like, what the frick are you talking about? Yeah, I'll I'm be like, like, can I get oh, a jukebox? Sorry. And they're like i don't know what that yeah, is like and i'll be like this is so awkward because now you know i'm a fan of that other place <laughs> pretty much <laughs> it's very awkward no we only come here yeah uh, the drink i get a lot is called nerd alert it's like it's like a pina colada with dr pepper it's amazing Mm. yeah it's fantastic and then i don't know what one you get what does yours have i get jukebox which is dr pepper um i think it has raspberry coconut and i feel like there's something else in it cream i think mm. yeah. all about the coconut it's game delicious it's amazing and most of those places have secret menus and so you should totally ask them because another one i really 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 love is blueberry muffin dr pepper it's delightful oh, yeah is that at Twisted Sugar or is that at Fizz? That's at Fizz. That's at but Fizz. I think most places have like... That one's also really good. It really does taste like a muffin. It's yeah, crazy. it's so good. It reminds me of in Wally when they have those giant drink cups that have like food in it. <laughs> it's not like we'll that. We'll just but... get ourselves some of those hover chairs and then we can carbs corner hey, it up. Hey, the way the world's going, that's where we're all going to be in 10 years. Uh, a spaceship rolling around. Anyway, rolling around. I've said that too many times now. So, drinks are not what we're covering today, though. <laughs> Twisted Sugar also has amazing cookies. Seriously, some of the best cookies ever. And the one that we had today was their original, their OG chocolate chip cookie. And I must say, it is like <laughs> my, it's like my just like slightly secret addiction. I said that weird. I just realized what OG meant. Okay, see, that's why I spoke weird because you were distracting me with your giggling. 
OG is like original. I know, but you said it earlier in the case oh, that I didn't actually. Want to ask, I correct but I myself. Didn't want to it ask. actually means original gangster, like OG. I'm old. But when you say OG, it just means original now. So okay. Anyways, chocolate chip cookie. Okay. <sighs> For Kay. any of you other oldies like me that were wondering, apparently that's what that means. that's what that means. So I think I said OG in another part of this <sighs> case today. So there you go. This cookie though is basically. An acceptable way to eat cookie dough, <laughs> like yes. uncooked cookie. Even dough. the look of it looks like it's not baked, right? Yes, but it is. So yeah. it's completely safe, but it tastes like cookie dough, and it's got the texture almost of cookie yeah. dough. It's like so the real good. grainy, like sticky. Yeah, it's still and it's chilled when you get it, so it mm-hmm. makes it that much better. But it's a it's a massive cookie, and it is absolutely fantastic. I go there all the time just to get that. Yeah, and if you want to be hungry, check out our social media page because we're gonna post a picture of the actual cookie we're eating right now, <sighs> and we split one today. I don't recommend that life. So I don't definitely either. I get ate your it in own. about five seconds and then was really sad yeah (laughs) so it's fine but if you go to twisted sugar i would definitely recommend that um i have no qualms about it there's nothing bad about this cookie it's delightful it's pure heaven i mean it's definitely different than your normal yeah it's not gonna be fluffy baked chocolate mm -hmm. chip cookie it's not gonna be like the steamy you split it in half and the chocolate is like melted and pulling apart this is if you like cookie dough you will like this cookie this is like late night munchies cookie you know what i mean because if it's freezing cold and it's the middle of the day i want myself a warm chocolate chip melted cookie but most of the time, like late at night when I'm eating these, this is what I want. Yeah. And I think this is good with soda because for me, if I have like one of those warm chocolatey, I want like milk with it. And I agree. Yeah. Also, I would say that although it's sweet, it's not too sweet. It's not like overpowering. Yeah, if I that agree. Because sometimes when the chocolate is like really melty and all that, it almost makes my stomach a little bit sick, if that makes sense, because it's like too sugary and then you drink soda with it, it's too much. I don't have that you don't have that problem? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just apparently don't have any sort of like sugar filter intake system problem. As you shouldn't. I wish I didn't, but I do. Which is why I'm a little more salty. Loving. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are we going into personalities at this point? Which is funny because the hoodie <laughs> I'm wearing right now says stay salty. Uh, I love it. <sighs> because I just got back from san diego a little while don't worry everyone we were really safe we wore a mask all the time it was a good time we just stayed on the beach pretty much and it was beautiful and warm and i would go back there and speaking of that we actually tried some pretty good places in san diego for food wise so maybe at some point we'll talk about those too so then if you're in california are you gonna fly me to california so i can try these food places <sighs> no so maybe it'll just be a side thing he's <laughs> <laughs> like or i'll put that on my other podcast if you want to go i'll go back for sure Boom, but, done. but then if anybody's going to california you can go hit those places up or if you are in california <laughs> i'm acting like anyone in california is listening to this but it's fine eventually um, if anyone in california is pretty listening sure to this, all five of our people are actually in the same county so are actually in the same family <laughs> <laughs> finley's and, and Pam, you know not you are. mine <laughs> <laughs> we good okay well we're gonna actually cover probably quite a few of twisted sugars cookies just as we go on not all in the same you know because they're delicious not in the same consecutive weeks or anything but there's some pretty amazing ones my other favorite and we'll talk about this one later is banana cream pie cookie 
Oh my god. We only reviewed Which, two cookies that day. Because we can't Aaron won't eat that one because I don't hates even bananas. want it in the same box touching my cookie. That's how strongly I feel about bananas. However, I'm sure the cookie's great. We love you, Twisted Sugar. Aaron's psycho, so it's fine. Bananas are the best, especially banana cream pie. Mm-mm-mm. But we're not talking about that one. We're talking about the chocolate chip. Go buy a chocolate chip from Twisted Sugar. It's great. There's multiple cl- locations all across Utah, so look up their addresses, and we will post a picture of that. Now, don't forget, you can submit your own carb conclusion for the cookie if you decide to go and try it, and we will read your review for it on a next episode. So that's today's carbs corner. And don't forget that you can submit your own carb conclusion for any of the carbs that we have covered so far. Um, And you can do it about this chocolate chip cookie. So if you go try it, make sure you get on our website and submit a carb conclusion, or you can just email it it to us if that's easier. You can also find on our website a place where you can recommend a different place for us to try, as in a restaurant or a specific item at a restaurant that you want us to talk about on the podcast, or even a recipe that you would like us to test out for a separate Carbs Corner. So if you have any of those, please let us know. We would love to hear your recommendations. And that's about it. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yum. (laughs) Happy Halloween and happy eating.